0: Welcome back to Bodies in the Bayous. I'm Morgan.
1: And I'm Gretchen.
0: This is season three, Back to the Killing Fields. This season, we are revisiting the Texas Killing Fields. In the following episodes, we will cover a broader area. This is in an effort to connect some of the cases covered in season one. We plan to bring to you some of the known serial killers in this broader area that may have murdered some of the women in the Texas Killing Fields. We will also cover some of the victims that we did not cover in season one. Season three, back to the Texas Killing Fields, episode four, The Lasting Impact of Lucas. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're just gonna sort of wrap up um, uh, what you know what Lucas was responsible for, what he might not have been responsible for. It's a little bit unscripted today.
1: Um, So I guess with that, we'll just get started. So yeah, um, what we wanted to do today was talk a little bit about the effect that Lucas had, not only nationwide, but the effect that he had in this area on the Texas Killing Fields crimes. So if if you listen to season 3 i mean season sorry about that season 1 you would um have listened to us talk about the task force that were established during the time that the Texas killing fields where they had a large amount of homicides that were going unsolved with these women and so at the point in time that lucas is arrested and questioned for kate rich's murder and frida becky powell's murder those task force are still operating and still looking at open homicides in the texas killing field area and when he starts confessing to these crimes those tasks forces start to look at lucas right And the negative impact that that has, I mean, really, even if that negative impact had was just on Christina Wilson's case that we covered last episode. When you have a case where you have somebody who confesses to it and the case is essentially closed, that's it. There are no more answers. There is nobody else looking into it, and for many of these cases, not necessarily for Susie Bauer's case, but for Christina Wilson's case, you don't hear anymore more about it. That You know, as far as I can find out, it's not open, it's not active, it's not being investigated, and I can't really get any information on on that case, period. It's just, it's just Got put on a shelf somewhere as closed, and it's possible that the evidence was destroyed or lost. And so her family won't ever know. But then, as we started to look into this a little bit more, um, you discovered some things while reading the Maddox report, right? So, how many names did you discover that were in this area that Lucas confessed to of these crimes?
0: In this area, I think it's about 16. 16. I think so. And then, that's not including that's not even including all like what he's confessing to in areas like El Paso, Louisiana, um, Oklahoma, Colorado is on there quite a bit. So when you're looking at those names and that's not even all the confessions that he's made, that's just the ones that they've either tried to link him to or not link him to for whatever reason, you know, I guess because of the false confessing that they do know he's done. Um, It's, it's just unreal.
1: You know, it's, it's sad. Right. So 16 names in the Texas killing field area. Not all of those are females. Right. So there are some cases that that are not necessarily what was going on with You know, As you talk about the Texas killing fields, when they first started to talk about this region having these large amount of unsolved homicides, first they said there were 27 women that had gone missing and murdered. Then they said there were something around 30, and then it came up to 60 to 100. So of that, some of these women who were counted in that 60 to 100 on those task force that were being um, formed, some of those women those cases were closed by Lucas confessing to those cases.
0: Right. And that's unfortunate because it, it's, even just looking at some of that, we, we know it's physically impossible for him to right. have even committed those crimes. Right. right. So it's unfortunate that those cases are closed and those families don't get the answers mm-hmm. that they want because it's just not going to be looked into again. No. You know? and, and he's not alive. so
1: No. And one of the ones that kind of keeps me up at night, it it's always, it's always those cases that, um, to me, where either somebody's unidentified and then the case is closed, right? So you have um, a Harris County black female um, whose body was found uh, in Oct- on October 6th of 1980 and never identified. Mm-hmm. So her case is still open on NamUs even though Lucas confessed to her killing. And, you know... Well, you know, one of the strange things about that is when we went and looked her up
0: on NamUs, too, one of the reasons that they believe that he's done this woman, right, is because he identifies the gloves that were found on her. Right. But when we look on NamUs those aren't even mentioned. And I mean, it could be a couple reasons why they're not mentioned, but I do find that odd.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was definitely odd, you know? So as you're kind of looking for that information, if that case is closed, you would think the gloves would be part of that uh, description on there. Sure. But yet when you look, you see the description of the scarf that she's wearing, but you don't see the description and of the rest of the clothing that she's wearing, but you don't see the description of her gloves right and then in as far as
0: we can see what he might have said in the confession he doesn't even mention the clothes that are mentioned on her as report right so you know that are the details right i don't know you
1: know i don't know either you know um and and those are the ones you know and that's that's it too because that always gets me you know you have a confession to a case where somebody um essentially was murdered police officers, investigators and task force are looking for that person's identity because if you can find their identity, then maybe possibly you can track down their killer. And he comes and has this confession. The case is closed. Nobody's even looking for identity anymore. Mm -hmm. Somebody's out there. This is somebody's child. Or this was somebody's child, I guess is a better way to, to say that. But then you have the other cases that, you know, we had talked about kind of covering one of those cases which was the case of uh um officer clemmy so an officer clemmy is shot in um in west virginia um and and killed in that case it's curtis Clemy is the um officer he's shot and killed in west virginia and in that case the um sheriff's department who's investigating the case decides that that's a suicide right and then there's some things that go on back and forth where you know they there's a debate about whether or not the correct bullet was turned in or whether or not you know the ballistics was correct on this and so the case gets reopened it does seem like there's some political drama going on by a prosecutor who, you know, had lost his election. And so that prosecutor kind of reopens that case and starts to dig back into it. And then you get Lucas who confesses to that case. And now all of a sudden, you know, it becomes even more convoluted right. than it was before. And it was incredibly convoluted before. Especially
0: because... Um you know, the sheriff was like, oh, no, man of mine would ever be disarmed and, you know, things like that. But when you look at what is there, it doesn't seem like Lucas would have done that.
1: Right. And we're not, we're not experts by any means, but when you read the evidence that the sheriff had at the time, you do kind of see why he's saying that this was a suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, there, there is a part of that case that looks like possibly this officer, you know, was trying to make it, yeah, Mm -hmm. stage it, but you see where, where the officers were going with the investigation, and looking at it with those fine details that they had at the time to say that that was a possible suicide, but then, you know, now you come back, and you have a confession, and now, you know, again, you're stirring up family, and, you know, having, having this Come back up for them exactly. You know, and what's crazy about that too is because when we were discussing
0: this before we uh started recording today, was you know what uh, what could they have fed Lucas for him to possibly confess to this, right? I mean, it's it's doesn't fit any mmo that we can really see out of what he's confessing to up to mm-hmm. this point, right? I mean, it's it's just out of the norm and it doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, and there's, there's a lot of debate back there about, you know, is it possible that, um, you know, there's, there's this debate, Lucas, you know, officers say we didn't feed Lucas any information, you know, he had information that he couldn't have known if he wasn't there. But one thing that does come out is that officers would sometimes present they so basically what would happen is a case would get presented like the murder of dorothy collins and the murder of rita salazar those cases were presented to lucas he looked at them and he denied that he he said he didn't murder them then a different investigator came back months later and presented those same two cases to him and at that time he confessed and the officer said that Um, he knew information that was not available publicly. And so that's why they believed that he, um, that the confessions were true, but he knew that information because he had been questioned on that before. The one thing you can't deny about Lucas is he had an incredible memory. So it may not have been purposeful. You know, it, you like when you look at these false confessions sometimes you think well it's because maybe the police officers or the investigators were really wanting to be very famous by getting all of these confessions i don't think all of it was purposeful you know they'd question him on a case and when he would say no, they'd pull that case behind and they'd say, okay, well, he didn't do this. But then somebody else would come back around and say, I think he's good for this and question him. Maybe without, And it could be
0: something as simple. You don't remember being up on that hill or, you right. know, and then when he's getting re-questioned, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, I was up there on that hill. It's something that simple, right?
1: Right. And he had that memory. Right. So, um and one of the other things that I found credible while we were going through the Maddox report was when we're looking at the report of those different victims, victim after victim after victim of the cases that he he's either looked at or he's confessed to, you and I are like, what are these numbers? Well, when you really figure it out, the numbers on top of those cases are the number of the confession. So like some of those cases will be like number 30, and then you get up to like number 210. And it's just, it blows your mind because when you look at the report, not all of those confessions are included in that report. But yet when you think about looking at case number 210, the realization that he's confessed to 210 cases at that point. And that number doesn't include the other numbers of cases that he was just considered assessment. Uh-huh. I
0: was just about to say that same thing because, you, you know, because then as we're weeding through this, right, as we're trying to collect our notes, we're like, oh, well, that's not numbered that, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just like, but it's still in the area. Like it's still the possibility because there is always that possibility. Because the thing about Lucas, unfortunately, you can't really trust anything the man is saying. Even though we want to, or maybe the police want to, or these families want to, can you really trust him? Right. You can't.
1: Yeah. And when when Lucas says, you know, there are definitely different things that he says along the, along the way. And one of the things that he says is, I confess to a bunch of those cases that I never did. But then he also later says, I never murdered anybody. Yeah. Well, except for
0: his mom, right? Right.
1: But there's no debate of whether or not Lucas murdered Kate Rich and Becky, Frida Powell, right? mm -hmm. There's no debate over that. We know that he did. So I guess the question would be to you, Morgan Did he kill anybody else other than those three people? I
0: absolutely do believe he's killed multiple other people. You know, i mean you would like to cluster some of this together especially some of it where it's happening at the same time and he's made these confessions and say he's had to have done this Mm -hmm. it's hard without the evidence it's hard without really him being on the hook legally Mm -hmm. for any of it right so in my head there's no doubt but i don't actually believe that i'm not always the case but i don't believe you kill a couple people and you've not killed a couple more Uh Especially with that kind of mentality that he has, right? And now he almost wants the notoriety for it? Come on.
1: Right. So I guess my question has always been, and one of the things that I can't um, get my head around is, you know, I know that he murdered those three individuals without a doubt, but... What I do know is that Lucas's DNA has been compared to other cases and it has has yet not popped on any other homicide. And that's, that's not saying just the ones that he confessed to. Lucas's DNA is in CODIS. Right. So when homicides are ran through the CODIS over the years and stuff like that, Lucas's DNA has not popped on any other case.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't always go on that. Because. You know, some of these victims that have been killed or murdered or however you want to word that, you know, there may not have always been DNA, right? There may not have been something to collect there. So, I mean, some of this, when you read them, like they've been burned, like has the DNA been burned off these victims? You don't know. So I can't for certain. I mean, yes, we know, I guess he hasn't been linked. But I just don't know if I can believe he's never done anything else.
1: No, I know. I, and you're definitely right about that. Because one of the things that <clears throat> that we've certainly talked about for a long time is so many of the cases that we covered in the first season, there's not even a chance to have DNA. Right. And then other cases that we covered in that first season, when you go back and look at them, they've never even gone back and tested those. Well, and that's DNA. what I was about to say. Well, what we also do know, though, about DNA is that DNA has excluded him in many of the cases that, well, not many, but a lot of the cases that he confessed to, some of the cases that he confessed to, some of the cases that he confessed to, DNA has now gone back and and excluded him. You know, like the case in Colorado that we were talking about, the Breckenridge case in Colorado, where there were... um, two individuals who were killed on the same day, two women who were killed in Breckenridge, Colorado on the same day and their names escape me right now. But anyway, um, that was like the orange sock killing there. We know that Lucas's DNA excluded him, but yet DNA came back and actually caught the real perpetrator. Right, And that has happened in other cases that he has been um, thought to be the suspect or confessed to. So, for me, sometimes I I get more and more like, I don't know that this guy killed any more than these three people. That's true. But then the one thing that does also get to me is Otis Toole.
0: Okay. So, and, you know, again, going through the Maddox report, in every single one of these cases, it's like his accomplice. Well, we know for a fact in some of these cases, they didn't even know each other then. So, it's not even possible that he was an accomplice, But to me, when I read what he's solely being brought up on where Lucas isn't in the Maddox report, he seems to have an MO pretty clearly of the murders that he's committing, right? I mean, it has that the profile, I guess. He has a profile, right? So
1: Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder with Otis Tool and Lucas, if you know, one thing you, you said to me one time was you said, it's like these murderers find each other. It's almost like there's a Craigslist for them or or something like that where they can somehow like they get together and and know this and I mean, I know you were not being necessarily serious, but you were talking kind of like it's odd that that sometimes you get these places where you have huge amounts of homicide and you know are the serial killers in some ways communicating with each other or are they seeing that cases aren't getting solved in that area and so it might be a good hunting it's almost round. like they're like oh
0: yeah he's got the look you know or like he it's i don't know it's like it's like they are drawn to each other you know it's like they can be friends and talk about this terrible things together without the judgment right, right? not judging each other.
1: Well, and we do know that Otis Tool did murder somebody and I we decided not to cover Otis Tool and his whole history in um in this season because what we were focusing on was what Lucas confessed to and not necessarily what Otis Tool confessed to. But there are some similarities when you look at what Otis Tool is convicted of and then you look at what Otis Tool has confessed to even along the Texas killing fields. And one of those is the fire. So, you know, where Otis Toole had been known to light something on fire in order to cover up his crimes, you have the Hitchcock murder that Otis Toole and Lucas confessed to, um, which we would have brought you that more information on that. There's just no information out there. Again, this is one of the sad parts of these cases where you just can't seem to get this information because they've been closed. But in that case, that car was lit on fire, right? Um, in order to cover up what seems to be possibly a sexual assault, mm-hmm. you know, of, the mm-hmm. of a of an older man, you know, and and so so you wonder when Lucas and Tool kind of get together, if that's part of the bonding between the two of them, is that they have these homicidal fantasies, and they do possibly go out and commit murders together.
0: Well, and and I completely can understand that because I have a good friend of mine and we used to like to go out a lot and, um, we take turns and we always joked about it. Like this week we'll go on your side of the tracks. Next week we'll go on my side of the tracks. Mm -hmm. What if they're doing something similar to that? Like this week we'll go with the guys and then, you know, you'll help me next week with my, you know, I mean, it's possible, right? They're friends. You want to experience things or share things with your friends. Why not partake in what they like to do? Right? right. So that could that could very possibly be true.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, I just feel like, you know, we're never going to resolve some of that. You know, unless DNA comes back. I mean, it, again, DNA sometimes is is the it it would not surprise me if you ever finally come back with DNA linking Lucas to a homicide. But I have a different theory on that. I think whatever homicide you link Lucas to, it's one he did not confess to.
0: I definitely think that's where they're going to start, right? No. Especially if, as you have more web sleuths and more crime junkies out there doing these researches on some of these older cases, and they are coming back to light, right? Mm-hmm. I absolutely think that's where they're going to start.
1: But I think Lucas was the type of person who didn't like to confess to things that he actually did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I
1: know you said that, because when we were looking through the
0: Max report, you're like, Look at this huge chunk of time where we know he actually did something, yet there's no confession.
1: Right, because, well, there's a huge chunk of time where we know he's in Texas. We know he's in Houston we, because he's giving blood. Um, the car broke down. He sells the car in Del Rio. We know he's here. But during that time where you can literally prove that Lucas is in this area, and could have possibly committed, and we do know that there are murders that happened during that time. It's not like all of a sudden Houston became the safe, safest place in the world. Right, right. Um, we know there are open homicides. But the one thing that's interesting about that is there's no confession for that period of time.
0: None.
1: Like, he's here, and it's not like it was because he was here with Frank and and Frida Powell, you know, that they had the kids. And so they didn't commit anything with the kids when they confess to these crimes, they say the kids were there, Uh which is disturbing in a whole nother way. But, you know, the abuse that those children suffered is just absolutely incredible. Um, And so it wouldn't surprise me that, that they had witnessed or seen that type of thing anyway, if, if they are, um, ever connected, and we do know that Otis Tool's DNA did connect him to an unsolved case, so it's not like we can say 100% that Otis Tool confessed to everything that he ever did and spent time in jail. He also is the same, you know. He I think d- they
0: take that gamble, though, of the, you know, well, you've got me on this, but I'm not going to tell you anything about anything else I've done, right?
1: Don't you find that strange, though, that, that he would confess to maybe 600 crimes, but never possibly confess to a crime that he actually committed.
0: I find it fascinating. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to really think about that. I don't know if my mind will actually let me process that into like words, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's odd that you could have that kind of self-control, like for self-preservation that when you're just like talking and talking and rambling and rambling, you can still preserve yourself Uh right you don't want the actual notoriety for what you did is it
1: because it's not as good or like what's the deal there you know yeah because it's interesting you know the one thing that um he doesn't tend to confess to is he doesn't tend to confess to the molestation of any of the children that he molested and he actually basically says he didn't do that Mm -hmm. he runs from it but he says he didn't do it so and yet we know that he did You know that that was something that he absolutely was a serial predator predator on doing. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a ton more there of people who were affected by that. Um, And Otis Tool, I believe, also is the same way. You know that he also was perpetrating on children. So Mm -hmm. um, there's just really no doubt when you kind of look at his um, his history too. So. The next thing that kind of happens, you know, to kind of tie up more of this effect is Lucas is convicted of a total of 11 murders in 1984. He's sentenced to death for the 1979 murder of Orange Socks. That, again, was another unidentified uh, woman. She was finally identified as Deborah Jackson in 2019. And we're probably going to cover her in a bonus episode. Lucas was convicted of the murder of Kate Rich and Frida Becky Powell. Linda Phillips, who was stabbed in 1970. Diane Bryant, strangled in 1981. Laura Jean Donzel, body found in Conroe in 1983. Fleming Curtis, he was the police officer that we uh, talked about earlier. And Lily Pearl Darty, not, shot in 1977. Glenna Bailey. Biggers stabbed in 1982. So he's convicted of all of those crimes. Not all of those are in the state of Texas. Most of them are, but not all of them are. So he's convicted of all of those. And in all of those cases, he receives either a life sentence or a lighter sentence. I think a couple of those are 60 year sentences in there. Um, except for the killing, the murder of Orange Socks, who was identified as Deborah Jackson. That one he's given a the death penalty for. Now, I'm not exactly sure why some of this happened. I don't know why he wasn't given the death sentence for um, shooting Clemmy Curtis, because I would think that that would be almost an automatic death sentence of shooting a uh, police officer. Oh, well, yeah,
0: and I think that, you know, when you had come across that, you're like, oh, why would he not get the death sentence uh-huh. for that? And that's kind of how we got some background information yeah. on him, which is the curiosity of like, how does that happen? Right. right. I mean, especially because you thought it was in Texas at the time. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's Texas. Right. Right.
1: So, um, so, at that point, he's then taken to Huntsville where he sits on death row until 1998 when Texas Governor George W. Bush uh, decides to. So Lucas basically asked for clemency or to have his case commuted. He said that these were all false confessions, and so um, he's asking Bush to... um, basically overturn these convictions. Bush comes back and says unquestionably that uh, Lucas is unquestionably guilty of other despicable crimes, which he has been sentenced to spend the rest of his life in prison. He stated irregularities in Lucas's confession and the fact that he may have been in a different state at the time that one of the women was murdered. Bush said he has special obligation to make sure the state of Texas never executed a person for a crime they did not commit. So then he commuted uh, Lucas's death sentence from death to life in prison. In doing that, that would have made Lucas eligible for parole after like 20 years. Um, so it would have possibly, so he would have been on death's door. Basically, it was like three days before he was to be executed when the his sentence gets commuted. And then um, he would have had a couple more years left before he would have been eligible for parole. But what? Um, Governor Bush did is he actually said that that sentence would only start after Lucas was done serving his other sentences, which basically would keep Lucas in jail for the rest of his life, or in prison for the rest of his life.
0: And as much as you know, I'd have a distaste for Lucas, I have to agree with Bush's decision on that because we society cannot be putting people on death row for crimes they didn't commit.
1: Right you I know, mean I even
0: I absolutely... even if even if we think he did it or didn't, how do you know for certain
1: well and and I guess regardless of where you feel about the death penalty, and I don't don't want this to be that discussion because I think you know so many of us have differing views, but where whatever you feel about the death penalty, I personally feel that, it, yes, absolutely the same way, you cannot put somebody to death for some for something that you pretty much know that they did not do. If, if you were going to give him the death penalty, then your better case would have been to give him the death penalty on Kate Rich's case. Mm -hmm. So, because that one, you really had him hands down. Right. um, And I don't think that there was a whole lot that he could have taken back from that. Um, I don't know why they didn't go after him for that case. but I, from reading these two cases, in in the Orange Socks case, I believe he talks about kidnapping her, and in the Kate Rich case, they didn't necessarily go after him for kidnapping, because she went willingly with him, even though that's essentially what he was doing. Because once he didn't take her to where she was going, that should have been kidnapping, but because you didn't necessarily tie it to another crime being committed at the time you may not have been able to go after the death penalty on that um and so that may have been why they decided it was a better case with the orange socks case and then i also believe he says that he may have taken something from her like money or something too so that may have been why it, it ended up being a better case on that one to go after to say for the death penalty but at the you know, you still end up having it pulled. And sadly, that has a trickle down effect for so many people. Um, So many of these people that he confessed to these cases who wanted not even because Deborah Jackson's family hadn't been identified at that point in time, but it's the other people, the Susie Bowers uh, family who was out there and the Rita Salazar's family who's out there. So many of these people who never even had him charged with their case, but believed that he had murdered their family member. Those people didn't feel like they were getting justice either because he wasn't being put to death. Right. So, um, and, and that's, that's horrible too. It is horrible. I mean, as a mother, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's
0: a hard thing because I used to have one way of thinking about the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I really did. As a mother, it's still hard to think. Like I wouldn't want this person on the hook if it's really them but I have to be rational and think, but what if it wasn't? Right. You know, and I would rather have the truth than have something that's not, especially if it's my child or, you know, family member of mine. Right. You'd always want to seek those answers, but is putting somebody to death over something they may not have done the answer? I I don't think so. Well, I always
1: think it it dilutes it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and again, um, if you if you had put him to death and then can come back later and say, he did not do this, and here's the evidence of why, which, you know, he's in another state, he didn't even meet the person that supposedly he was involved with, you know, when this happened, or or any number of, of reasons that come out that for this, that it's not possible, all of those types of things. Or DNA comes and exonerates him later. The problem is now, again, you go back to, We've now put somebody to death for a crime they sure. haven't
0: committed. And then you have to start all over trying to right. figure out the truth
1: there. And and then it never ends. Right. And then if you do then have DNA to go after somebody else, then they're saying, but wait a second. Your case is years, closed. 20 years ago, you put, you put this guy to death. You know, where, where are you wrong? Where are you right? And that's the other thing that closing these cases does is even if you come back with the evidence that says he didn't do it but this other person did now that person who committed that crime has that argument wait a second i didn't do it Mm -hmm. and there's a guy who confessed to it and was found guilty for it and you believed him so i mean yeah maybe he's in another state but we know the people who say he was there are known liars too so you know he's definitely lying Um. I mean, that's the unfortunate part. Yeah. You know, and it would be, it would be hard to look at if we were talking about one case or 10 case, but when you're talking about over 200, over 300, the possibility that 600 cases exist. And again, you know, to not even have that number.
0: Yeah. It's hard to wrap your head around, you know? Right.
1: Because. Although, you know, the the Maddox report is a great bit of information and it has a ton of information in it, it does not have a list to say, here are all the cases that we know that he confessed to. Here are all the cases that we know got closed because he was an, a suspect in. Here are the ones that got stuck on the shelf because they thought that Lucas did it. We don't know that. Because even if you talk about just the confessions, there were a ton of them that he was a likely suspect. Oh yeah. It, that they just closed and said done. Yep. So uh Lucas died on March 12th, 2001 of a heart a ab- heart attack. He's buried in Huntsville in the prison cemetery in an unmarked grave. The grave um Remains unmarked today due to the fact that it was vandalized. It's been vandalized more than once, and uh, so the location of that particular spot is not really released to the public. And I think that's probably pretty good. So, um, if you've ever traveled to Huntsville and seen the Huntsville uh, Prison Cemetery, it's it's massive um, to kind of look at and stand out and and to see all of those people who are buried there because their families, you know, either couldn't or didn't claim them after they had passed. But um, his, his grave apparently is one of the, one of the unmarked there's, and actually, to be honest, there are um, several um, serial killers who are actually buried in that Huntsville prison cemetery. And so um, I think that there are more than just Lucas's grave that continues to be. Unmarked. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Um, I don't think anybody needs to go out there and kind of memorialize him at this point. So one thing that you can definitely say for sure is that he was a, he was a murderer. Mm-hmm. He's a despicable human being. So. I think I that's all I have. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. I hope.
0: Uh... Thanks for joining us today. We always love to hear from our listeners. So please contact us with any questions that you might have. Um, You can reach us on our Facebook page, Bodies in the Bayou's. You can always email us at bodiesinbayou's at hotmail.com. And don't forget to listen to us wherever you stream your podcast.